Marines and heroes Acting out there on the silver screen well, Come grab a seat, popcorn is on me Hello, welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. Noel T. Manning II here, hanging out uh, with uh, Thomas Manning on C19 TV and uh, also WGWG, uh, however you choose to spend time with us. We appreciate it. Uh, and if you are tuning in expecting to see episode 500, no, we're beyond that, but we are going to get into DeLorean and go back and do the special 500th episode. So, so stay tuned. Keep tuning in. It's coming. I promise you. It's coming. Uh, Greg Tillman still on uh, maternity leave. No way, that's not right. He's on he's on medical leave, not maternity leave. <laughs> but, but Greg, <laughs> we miss you, man. Uh, keep healing, and he is doing well. And uh, matter of fact, he's actually been able to get out and play some music a little bit, even though they have him sitting. I think like in one of these little. Um, chairs like a high chair or something so Greg uh, keep, keep playing and know we're thinking about you Thomas how are you buddy yeah I think they actually had Greg using his old hip bone as a, <laughs> like as a guitar pick or as an instrument like a I don't know I might might have my some wrong information there but that's what I heard somewhere I, I, I actually from what I understand he gave his hip bone to the drummer and so okay the, there we go there so we go yeah. the drummer's using that so, greg we miss you and uh and keep healing buddy we're, we're looking forward to, to having you back uh at least for a little while uh, yeah so we can make fun of you a little bit more so <laughs> that's right well thomas uh, we're going to chat about a few films we also have douglas davidson uh joining us on the show uh, a little bit later uh today uh but there's a uh, a war film uh that that we are l looking forward to talking about and uh, the movie is Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. So make sure that you, when you search for it, you search for Guy Ritchie's name in front of it. Uh, and it, it's a it's a war film, Thomas. But it's it's something that really feels a little different from what I typically come to expect from Guy Ritchie. Now, there's definitely his fingerprints on this. Um, his his stamp is there. But this this really feels like a war epic type film that you might see honestly during a war season. Yeah, yeah. As the credits were rolling, I turned to you and said, this movie was a lot different than I thought it would be, and it was even better than I thought it would be as well. Uh, it is it is a war film, but it's very procedural and methodical. Um, it's, it's not one of those movies with another action set piece every 15 minutes just because. Uh, it takes time to build up the drama and the tension and the pathos of these characters, and it clearly gives context for where we are within the situational conflicts and we're never questioning you know what the objective is or why the characters are making the decisions that they are um, and the military combat tactics that we see put on screen are very systematic and look to be very well researched like I, I myself can't say for certain how realistic they are but they at least did a really good job fooling me into believing that this is how real soldiers in the military would approach these circumstances. And, and I'm pretty confident in saying that Guy Ritchie definitely did his research. Uh, and uh, a film a few years ago that uh, you interviewed the director, Rod Lurie, and you I know you've kind of gotten to know Rod over the years, The Outpost. Yes. Uh, there were definitely aspects of this just in terms of how you know tactile everything was uh, that reminded me of The Outpost. Yeah, this had that outpost meets uh, twelve strong vibe to it. I throw in a little bit of uh, of Lone Survivor as well, but is a, it is a film that that also stood on its own. It does take place 
uh, in Afghanistan. So it's it's during uh, you know it's during that type of uh, of war and uh, and uh, and and also uh, time period over the last um, you know twenty plus years. Uh, people starring in this, you've got uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Got to say it uh, that way. Some people call him Gyllenhaal, and that's fine as well, especially if you're here in America. Uh, he stars as uh, Master Sergeant uh, John Kinley, and Dar Salim uh, stars um, as the interpreter. And um, what I loved about that is he wasn't just—he wasn't someone who said, "I'm just going to translate your language." His character interpreted not just the language, but also how people said things, how people interacted and reacted, and also the situations that were going on. And there were many times that his character uh, intentionally said, hey, you know, um, to, to anyone he was involved in, let's, let's step back and think about this a little bit. Let's consider uh, where we are and what is going on. And I thought the acting was really solid across the board. Uh, Johnny Lee Miller also stars uh, in this uh, as, as Colonel Vokes, and uh, he's got a limited role, but Johnny Lee Miller, an interesting tie-in, he played Sherlock Holmes in the TV series Elementary, uh, and he was also Eli Stone, but uh, there is a Sherlock Holmes connection because Guy Ritchie also did uh, the Sherlock Holmes films. With Robert Downey Jr., of course. Uh, yes, sure. yes, yes, yes. Uh, if, if they had like a multiverse convergence of all the Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> I'm sure that uh, Robert Downey Jr. would meet up with this Sherlock. <laughs> but, but there was, you know, from from a from a cast standpoint, it was really kind of a limited cast. They had a, a um, you know kind of a, a larger supporting cast, but those lead um, lead cast it was really for the most part it was Yilan Hall and Salim. Yeah, exactly. And the story is based on situations that are rooted in reality, but it's not based on a true story itself. Uh, and these characters aren't modeled after specific real people, but they are built around the general idea of people who have existed in real predicaments like this and who did have these jobs as interpreters. Uh, and kind of at the close of the film, it gives a bit of a modern day update on you know where some of these interpreters are or not specifically where they are but like generally where they are in life and some of the things that are still happening with them yeah thomas right now in afghanistan uh, as soon as those who were really trying to help afghanistan try to find a, a democratic lifestyle when they pulled back and they left then the Taliban took over uh, uh, almost immediately. And so this does look at uh, kind of in that, that post-credit scene, or not post-credit scene, but as before the credits roll, it, it lets you know that, hey, there are many of these uh, interpreters who are still in danger, uh, whose lives are still on the line, not just their lives, but the lives of their family members. And so many are in hiding uh, because the Taliban's after them for helping to, to be interpreters and helping to try to find, really, Afghanistan to find a life uh, for, for their people that provides more freedoms and more opportunities. Absolutely, and the narrative structure for this film is assembled into three distinct acts, but the way this second act ends kind of made me stop and reassess my preconceived notions of where the story was going. I even briefly checked the time on my phone, uh, not because I was ready for the movie to hurry up and finish, but because I was checking to see if my internal clock was still as accurate as I thought it was. <laughs> you know, I, I was like, is there still an hour left in the movie? And there was. Um, 
we find ourselves at the end of the second act and in regard to the character's journeys it feels like that would be the ultimate conclusion for a more traditionally structured film um but for this film is truly only half of the arc of these two main characters um and the the characters of you know dar salim and jake gyllenhaal their arcs are intertwined and like fundamentally wrapped around each other and it's a really beautiful but haunting portrait of sacrifice and brotherhood that's just intrinsically connected between the two of them. Yeah, it, it's also a film that speaks, uh, you talk about uh, the brotherhood sacrifice, but it also speaks to relationships forged within unique uh, situations. And many times uh, when you are in crisis situations, those relationships that are there that are experiencing the same types of things as you, you find that bond even tighter. And it's almost a, a bond of, of family. And uh, you know, there are times that, uh, that Jalen Hall's character, uh, he has a hard time separating what happened once he kind of comes back home. And we're not, we're not going to give a whole lot away. If you watch the trailer, you'll know um, that that he is trying to track down this interpreter who ultimately saved his life. And uh, it's a journey. It, it, you just mentioned the three-act structure. It's definitely there, but it's also a journey for um, providing uh, that promise, that covenant that was made uh, between uh, Jalen Hall and uh, Salim's character as well because there was a promise that was made. and. And he wants to do everything he can to make that happen. And, and I loved that. And I thought that it presented that just a, in a beautiful way. As you mentioned, uh, I, was, I was truly impressed with, with this film. And uh, there were a few of those kind of wow moments. Uh, the, the action set pieces were solid, as you would expect. There was also uh, um, a situation where uh, Jim Hall's character was really uh, going through this kind of mind torture, a self-induced mind torture where he just couldn't come to terms with the reality that he was currently in. And there was a maybe a two, two-and-a-half-minute sequence there that was really fascinating to watch. And as a viewer, I felt, uh, I, I felt that I understood and uh, was a part of that, of that torture that he was going through. Yeah, it's all these fragments of his memories coming back to him. He basically has this gap of however many weeks it was where he can't remember anything, but then in the ensuing weeks, they're coming back in small little pieces, and he's putting together the puzzle, and the way that that is visualized in the film is a really, really fascinating look at how we perceive memories and how we you know, think back to um monumental events in our lives that have transformed us in a way. Um, and in terms of other technical aspects of the films, um, I do want to mention the cinematography by Ed Wild. It's, it's pretty subtle most of the time, but it, it doesn't really call attention to itself. And I think that was the most effective approach, you know, visually and thematically. Um, a lot of the camera work is handheld and gives you this subjective look at the action that's playing out. And there are also these times where these, slow gradual zoom ins on the characters faces as they're delivering monologues um and then and then occasionally you have a sneaky one or long take sequence but you don't even realize you're in a in a one or until about a minute or two has passed and it's just like it's disguised because it just feels so natural and so organic and um i i think sometimes those are the most effective um uses of long takes like that 
Uh, agreed. It, it truly does take you into the action. Uh, the score was fascinating as well for me. I truly loved that. The sound design was solid. Uh, it is a film that I will go back and revisit. It is rated R uh, for, for language uh, and, and war violence. But it's, uh, it's not over the top and not gratuitous from the standpoint of the, the violence that you see. Uh, they, they could have actually gone a step further and, and, it, and it would have still felt realistic. But for me, this really worked. It's a film I'm going back to, Thomas. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Guy Ritchie, he continues to be on a hot streak. I was a big fan of Operation Fortune, uh, which came out a couple months ago. And much different film than this that that film has a lot more of his fingerprints in terms of the kind of british gangster uh dramedies uh but this one it's a afghanistan war drama and really couldn't be much different than most of the films he's made in the past but i think that really is impressive as it showcases his range as a filmmaker and storyteller and just the emotions that he can tap into I think more people need to watch this film. Uh, I, I truly uh, encourage you to do that. What's your rating for this film? Uh, solid A minus for the Covenant. Okay, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm a B plus. Uh, wonderful film, uh, well worth watching. Happy I got a chance to to check this out. Uh, we're going to take a, a quick intermission. We're going to come back, uh, and after the break, we'll uh, we'll get Douglas Davidson uh, in Studio Z, Thomas, uh, and uh, let you bring us back to that, and we'll we'll have him. Uh, to come and talk to us about a new film that's based on history uh, as well. And this one is actually based on a historical figure. So we're going to have Douglas back right after this break. And then we're going to talk about uh, uh, another uh, war film, Thomas, uh, that, uh, that you got a chance to check out and you interviewed the director for that. So we'll talk about that right after this quick intermission on Meet Me at the Movies on C19 TV and WGWG. Won't you come and meet me at the movies? Won't you come and Chef Paul Prudhomme once said, you don't need a silver fork to eat good food. Well, on Cleveland County Kitchen, we don't have a silver fork, but we sure do serve up lots of good food. Hi, I'm Deborah Blanton. I hope you'll join me for the next Cleveland County Kitchen. Each month, we offer a complete farm-to-table experience. We visit local growers, we learn about nutrition, and wrap things up with wonderful meals prepared by our guest chefs. It's a lot of fun. I hope you'll join me for the next Cleveland County Kitchen. Hi, I'm Deb Harden, host of For Your Information. The goal of our show is to educate and entertain you about all things pets throughout Cleveland County. We have various guests joining me each month to talk about dogs, cats, pigs, whatever kind of pet you can think of. Also each month, we will be joined by some furry friends looking for their forever homes. For your information, each month, right here on C19 TV and online at www.c19.tv. Won't you come and meet me at the movies? Won't you come and watch Hi, and welcome back into Meet Me at the Movies. Here in a minute, we're going to pitch it over to Studio Z, where Noel is with Douglas Davidson talking about the film Chevalier. Noel and Douglas, take it away. Look at there. Douglas Davidson, uh, Elements of Madness. Always good to have you back, man. We, we appreciate you spending time with us uh, when you're able to be on the show. And I, I really wanted to talk about this movie. I have not seen it yet. It's on my uh, to-do list. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first saw it, uh, the title of it, I'm like, hey, I used to have a, a Chevy uh, Chevalier. I had one of those. It was like the, the, the B-26 or something. 
And um, then somebody told me, no, it's not about cars. I'm like, oh, okay, no, it's no. not. It's not a Fast and Furious 12 or anything like that, or it's not like an animated film. It's something completely different. Uh, but when I saw the trailer, honestly, truly, when I saw the trailer, I said, wow, I'm really fascinated by this. This is a, a piece of music history I knew nothing about. And I'm um, excited to hear your thoughts on, is it Chevalier? Uh, I believe, if I'm getting the French pronunciation right, <laughs> it's Chevalier or uh, Chevalier. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's the subtitle of it is the untold true story, and so there you go. Those, so for those of you that don't know, there was a multi hyphenate. He was a composer, a violinist, a fencer, all number of different things in France pre French French Revolution. He was Joseph Bologna. He the son of a slave and a plantation plantation owner in Guadalupe. And his father took him to France and went, we want you to get schooled and what have you. And through the schooling and through his training, he ended up becoming friends with Queen Marie Antoinette. Let them eat cake herself. <laughs> and this film mostly focuses on towards the end of his career as a major composer leading up to the French Revolution itself in sort of the relationship he has with Marie Antoinette and the performance that he creates and puts on in order to try to reach the highest position that someone in music at that time could reach. And so this film, interestingly enough, it's wonderfully performed. Kelvin Harrison Jr. is the role of Joseph. You've got Samara Weaving, who plays Marie Josephine, who is a married woman who is a beautiful singer that joseph wants to be in his production but between his um racism it's just straight up mm -hmm. racism there's no other yeah. way to put it because he is half black the husband doesn't want the wife to perform and then there is lucy boyanton who plays uh, queen marie and okay. for those of you that are less familiar with lucy sing street and bohemian rhapsody were two of the biggest things that she's, or bigger things that she's done that at least a lot of folks will grapple onto. There are great performances from these three actors. Kelvin in particular is magnetic. And the way that they begin this film, this is uh, Stephen Williams who directed it and Stephanie Robinson who wrote it. Both of them come from TV. What, either she's uh, What We Do in the Shadows and he's Watchmen, if I remember correctly. And they begin this film in the trailer there's a moment where joseph challenges mozart while mozart's giving a concert and it's presented like a rock show for us in our present yeah. day which so many people don't realize that what we think of as high entertainment classical music those were the rock shows of the era right and so right. mozart shows up and totally no excuse me joseph shows up and steals the show from mozart yes and it sets the tone for the rest of the film the music wow. is incredible the story is very very interesting the romance angle that takes place there as well as the exploration of class of gender politics race all of it and it it never feels uh overhanded in any way it doesn't yeah. feel like it's preaching or anything else instead it feels both um, of this period, but also right. very much anchored back then. Wow. And, and much of the music from 
this composer was lost, and so On the, the recreate. Yeah, exactly. By Napoleon, was, apparently. Yes, <laughs> and so the the recreation of this and, and trying to bring it back uh, was a story in itself. Uh, but I mean, thanks for sharing uh, these thoughts. I've, you, I, I knew I wanted to see it, but as you've talked more and more about it, I, I, that's that's upped my game even more to to bring it back on my priority list up even higher. Uh, so what uh, rating would you like to give uh, the film? <laughs> a solid B, a solid B. The music okay. is great. The performances are great. Uh, production design, editing is in particular on point in conveying not only momentum, but helping with that tone setting. It is fantastic. And so this is not just an art film for those that may be um, leery of seeing it because they think it's just about art. It's much more than that. Absolutely. I think there is a mistake that has been made with cinema where period films or films where we look backward are often uh, glorified in some way or made these were better, cleaner, more sophisticated. Whereas when we look back, these people were people. And so they spoke a certain way and they relaxed a certain way. And the stuff that we do today, we may have different technology to get us there, but they're not really so different from where we are now. And I think that awesome. a film like this sets, makes that very clear. Awesome. Douglas Davidson, Elements of Madness. You can find him uh, online and just a great website with uh, with tons of rich material from uh, a lot of different uh, uh, film journalists out there. So I encourage you to check it out, elementsofmadness.com. Douglas Davidson, thank you, sir. We'll see you next time. Thank man. you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Douglas, for taking time to spend with us uh, chatting about uh, this film. And we still can't quite figure out the name of it. It's Chevalier. Chevalier. So uh, just look it up. You'll figure it out. <laughs> so, Thomas, there is a film that's also uh, maybe difficult to, for people to pronounce, Suzu. Uh, it is a, an action war film that when I saw it, I'm like, okay, Nazis being destroyed, I'm all for this. And it's, uh, it's, it's a different kind of um, film that you got a chance to talk to the director. So, so give us your thoughts on this film, man. Yeah, I got to talk to director Yamari Halander, and uh, the film is called Sisu, which really isn't that hard to pronounce. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's you just pronounce it phonetically. But I think your problem is, is you couldn't figure out if it was, uh, you couldn't remember. It. You didn't know if it was Susu or Sisu or or Sisu. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but Sisu, it. It, this comes from this Finnish word that basically means someone who is extremely determined, extremely committed to their calls to do whatever they want to do to, to survive in this case. And uh, it's this film follows this gold prospector who he is a veteran of the war and he's lost everything, lost his family. And finally, he catches a break. He finds some gold on his land. And then, of course, Nazis happen to be passing through. This is in the final days of World War II. And they are not going to make life easier for him. As um, you know, And he decides he's going to fight back. The Nazis don't know who they're messing with. And they, fight, <laughs> they, find, out, they find out very quickly. And the, there are like certain details that are peeled back about the legend of this character. He was... An extremely, you know, fearsome Finnish general, and it's almost like the John Wick type legend. You see these people talking about him, and it's like once they realize who they're messing with, 
you can just see the fear that comes over their faces and just um, the the aura that is surrounding this guy um, even over the course of a 90, 90 minute runtime just the mythology around him is built up in a really uh, really interesting way that kind of puts you right into the world so the uh, cinematography and um, the, the coloring that they used uh, in this really drew my attention uh, as well as the kind of the over over the top violence that you would see in uh, maybe Renfield or uh, or a Tarantino film uh, that that drew you to this as well right yeah yeah there's it's a beautiful cinematography over uh, Lapland in Finland it was filmed on location so a lot of this is these wide sweeping landscape shots um, and it's a very quiet film whenever there isn't the crazy over-the-top violence uh, because our main character doesn't speak a word of dialogue for basically the wow. entire film he's um, he's kind of the the wordless um, wordless assassin and he just carries this entire performance just in terms of body language and you know facial expressions yep. so uh, the, the film itself who will who will appreciate this film I think uh, people who are, you know, this played in front of the John Wick. Um, this trailer played in front of John Wick. Okay. And it definitely knows that audience. Uh, it's from one of the same producers. And it gives you exactly what you're hoping for based on the trailers. There was a great pull quote from the trailer. And it was like, the most fun you will have watching Nazis get obliterated. And that's <laughs> <laughs> that's that's pretty, that's pretty good marketing. It delivers, yep. it delivers on that front. And there's a lot of variation in the action set pieces uh, across different settings and across scope and scale. Uh, there, There's this really fascinating scene on a minefield. Then there's... Um, set piece with tanks and a plane. And then there's an underwater scene, which is one of the most creative uh, scenes that paints a picture of survival and just the sheer will to survive and the sheer creativity that someone has to take to survive. Um, so it's it's very you know procedural as this guy goes and picks off every picks off these Nazis basically one by one right. and he has to overcome so many things in his path but uh, you are going on this journey with him the entire time so gotcha if you want to check out the uh, interview that Thomas has with the uh, director of this you can go to elementsofmadness.com uh, and check out the full review and um, Thomas we're, we're about out of time but I want to make sure that you get your rating in for this film Sisu a solid A minus for this one as well all right, solid A- minus for Sisu, and uh, appreciate you guys spending time with us right here on uh, Meet Me at the Movies. And if you want to look for a uh, Meet Me at the Movies exclusive, uh, online exclusive, uh, you can check out uh, Thomas's review of Bo is Afraid. Uh, and, I, and I will quickly say that uh, Thomas did get called out. Uh, that review is online. Uh, you can check that out, and, I, and you'll see that at the bottom of the screen here. Uh, Thomas got called out because he was he was told basically he was not an abstract thinker because he said only one you know couple people would probably enjoy this film. Uh, I, I will say Thomas he was right from the standpoint of you should never just say oh only two people are going to like it. Now we did clarify that in in that full piece that 
everybody has different interpretations and everybody's going to appreciate it. And you were doing that in jest, but uh, you, you do have some abstract thoughts for sure. You are a very abstract guy. Anybody who spends time with you more than three minutes understands that there's a lot more abstraction in you than there is uh, concrete content. So uh, I will say that. Uh, and I will allow you to give a movie quote of the week or anything else you want to make sure you share uh, about that before we wrap up. I mean, to the person who called me out for not being an abstract thinker, hey, we'd love to have you on the show sometime and uh, chat about Bo is Afraid. I think that would be a great conversation. <laughs> I do too. Open invitation or, or chat about some other film. We might do that. We might just do that. That's a great thought, Thomas. That's a great thought. Uh, so, Thomas, what is your rate? You gave your rating, I but did. you do have a... You do have a movie quote of the week uh, from uh, Sisu, correct? That is correct, and this is from uh, Atami Corpy, our protagonist of Sisu. And he says, Bills, big ones please, won't be so darn heavy to carry. <laughs> all right. Uh, appreciate you all for spending time with us right here on Meet Me at the Movies. I am uh, Noel T. Manning II, along with Thomas Manning, and thanks to Douglas Davidson as well Thank for you. joining us. Thank you so much. And until next time, for all of us here, uh, Meet Me at the Movies, that's a wrap. Again. Uh,